Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Jackson Brown celebrating a birthday today. The great Jackson Brown, always a huge fan of Jackson. They use this song, Somebody's Baby, in one of my favorite movies ever, Fast Times at Ridgemont High. But Jackson turned out to be a, uh, a bad guy. He used to smack around his girlfriend, Daryl Hannah, who also, remember, dated John F. Kennedy Jr. for a long time. How old is Jackson Brown today? 75 years No way. Lou, I'm going to punch you out across the face if you say that I again. I don't blame you. I won't say it again. 75 Jackson Brown? 75. Jeez. They're all old now. Aye, aye, aye. Well, listen, it's been a great show already. We are trying, and not just trying, but succeeding. And only we can do this. I, I, I hate to, to be disrespectful to any other show on this station or around the city, but we're the only show that can do this which is walk this delicate tightrope to celebrate Columbus Day, but at the same time really delve into what's going on in Israel because that's the big story. So we're going to go back live to Jerusalem coming up at 825 with Alex Trayman. We um, we spoke uh, to Curtis Sliwa this morning. He was terrific. But we just spoke to Joe Piscopo about Columbus Day. And throughout the morning, until I'm done at 10 o'clock, we'll do more of that. My guest right now is the editor of the National Review, Political NBC, and a dear friend, Rich Lowry. Great on a Monday morning. Rich, good morning, pal. How are you? Good morning, Sid. Hey, I never knew you had an aspiration to be Italian. Oh, my God. The worst. I went to poly prep with every good-looking Italian buddies. Who would, <laughs> they were driving Jaguars down Shore Road at 16 years old. You kidding me? Come on. They, 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 they used to come to school in the, in the fifth grade with hundreds of dollars in their pocket and and they, had, they were good-looking, had beautiful girlfriends. I never got it. <laughs> don't forget, that was the era of uh, Saturday Night Fever with John Travolta. I mean, Tony Manero was the man. So, yeah, that is all yeah, true. Yeah, well, if, if, if I didn't know you are Jewish, I would think you're Italian. So Everybody you, You've achieved one of your aspirations. <laughs> well, that's why I this play Italians in the movies. A mobster. Yeah, I just, in fact, uh, not that long ago with my friends Peter Gordio and Craig DeFrancia and others, I played another Italian guy, Vincenzo, in a movie coming out uh, sometime next year, my third consecutive movie playing an Italian. But on a serious note <laughs> See, today... The ultimate revenge. All, yeah. all those guys in high school you thought were so right. cool. No one's ever heard of them again. But you, you're playing Italians right. on the biggest and, and I'm the so biggest star, and the, being, being the biggest star in this city. But on a serious note, 
Uh, today I am very proud to be Jewish. Uh, every day I'm very proud to be Jewish. Mm-hmm. Nobody in this city does more with anti-Semitism, whether it's Dove Heiken mm-hmm. or a host of other guests. You know that than I do. Yep. Um, and after seeing what happened in Israel the last couple of days, I just, you know, I swear to God, I, I was talking to my beautiful wife, Danielle, last night, and I said, I get it. You know, Pat Tillman gave up this beautiful life. He was making $2 million, mm-hmm. gorgeous wife, great kids, beautiful home in Arizona, National Football League. He had it all, and he gave it up after watching the towers crumble on 9-11. Now, I'm 56 years old, and I'm Jewish and way over the hill, but don't kid yourself. I thought for one second this weekend about flying down to Israel mm-hmm. and helping in this fight, and I know that yeah. there are hundreds I know Dover, not Dover, but uh, Noam reported earlier, there are hundreds of New Yorkers on the way to Israel right now to help. And I get it, don't you? Yeah, yeah. You know, this, this is the thing. It's not, it wasn't just an anti-Israel attack. You know, they, they hurl all the invective at Israel, you know, the colonial occupiers and all that. It's anti-Jewish at the end of the day. It's a pogrom. This is the same thing we've seen for millennia. It could have happened on, and did happen, you know, on the steps of Russia, uh, 700 years ago. And the thing is, if they could get here and they could rampage through Brooklyn or New York City, they'd be just as happy to kill Jews here as they as they were happy. Well, I got news for you. I got news for you, Rich. 8,000 people a day come into this city. And I texted the mayor about this. Two things I texted the mayor about yesterday. A, that repulsive rally we allowed to happen with these Mm -hmm. pro-Palestinian lowlives. And B, 8,000 people a day, over 100,000 large if you don't think some of those folks are bad folks and about to do bad things in New York, you're somewhere between naive and stupid and mm-hmm. closer to the latter. Yeah, well, a- another reason you should control the border, but obviously Joe Biden has no interest in, in doing it. But this is just its just shocking. It's, it's terrible. And I agree with Curtis, unfortunately. What's going to happen is for about a week, maybe two, we got Israel's back. This is terrible. This is shocking. The, the whole world stands with Israel. We light up the Brandenburg Gate and the colors of the Israeli flag. And then it's going to be, you know what, this is disproportionate. You know, Israel needs to stand down. How they possibly can they be doing this? Look at this terrible image, you know, coming out of Gaza, and the international pressure will be, begin. And you've got to figure, you know, Hamas, this is well-planned, you know, for months. They had to figure what they were going to do afterwards when the, the crushing response happened. And part of it has to be depending on this international opinion to stay Israel's hand. And it's, you know, I don't care what Joe Biden was saying over, over the weekend. And, and two weeks from now, the State Department is going to be saying, gosh, this has to end. First of all, is it unfortunate you were agreeing with Curtis or what he said? <laughs> Second of all, I'm, I'm, I'm always impressed that you listen all day, every day, because that was about an hour ago. But you're right, and Curtis is right. That's going to happen. And look, I know you heard me say earlier I don't want to hear from Biden today. I don't want to hear. I don't care what he says. I don't care because the truth is, is uh, Obama's administration, they were giving these Palestinian animals pallets of cash overnight. The very last night Obama stayed at the White House, one of the last things he did was give the Palestinians and Hamas a ton of money. Mm-hmm. Of course, he made the Iran deal with John Kerry. And the first day Biden won, the first day he won, he was looking to resurrect that deal, make it better for the Iranians. And we're not that far away from a deal where he gave him back five hostages and six billion. Whether they yeah. use that money in this attack or not, they probably didn't. I don't care. So this government, Joe Biden, all of his people, I don't want to hear, I don't want to see their tears today. They are partly the problem and the reason why Israel is suffering today. How about that? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, and you're right to cite Mark Levin. The, the key thing is not that six. Billion. Wow, that was six twenty-five, which Lowry. <laughs> yeah, we, we don't we don't focus all, just on you know that, that's symbolically what stands for their wrong-headedness and foolishness here. But it's it's the fact that they immediately took the pedal off the metal in terms of the the oil sanctions on Iran. You know, Trump had them down to zero. Basically, there was nothing left in the accounts. Right, he, he was destroying their economy. And then they had the great good luck that Joe Biden won the presidency and immediately stopped doing that. So that's that's the main thing. That's given them more resources. And as everyone's pointed out, money's fungible. And, the, the you know, Hamas, there's a great story in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend. Hamas is saying, yeah, Iran helped us plan this and, and gave the green light at it right before it went. So uh, – <laughs> It, but they'll they'll look they'll look uh, they'll look uh, away from that too, and and we'll be back to seeking an Iran deal soon enough as well. How could any decent person vote for a Democrat? I don't, I don't Jew, I should say, any decent Jew. I want to get mm-hmm. to uh, some other political stuff happening this week because it is a big week in Washington D.C. Matt Gates, my friend Nancy Mace, who I think did the wrong thing. Uh, did what they wanted to do last week. They ousted Kevin McCarthy. Congratulations. Now there'll be a new speaker coming up on Wednesday. I know both Steve Scalise, a friend of mine out of New Orleans, Louisiana, and uh, Jim Jordan, a friend of mine out of Ohio, both want that gig. Donald Trump last week endorsed Jordan. He did say if he had to, if they didn't get the votes, he would step in for 90 days. It's a mess. Nancy May said to me, we got rid of Kevin McCarthy to stop the chaos. I'm like, Nancy, really? This is chaos. What are you talking about? Are you nuts? So well, what do you think is going to happen on Wednesday? It's just complete madness. Yeah, I don't have a great read on it. The, the inside game, the traditional thing that would happen would be Steve Scalise wins because he's, he's an excellent line. He has a lot of good relationships all across the caucus. You know, he's a wonderful guy. Um, Jim Jordan, though, is playing this outside game. Uh, the, the, the biggest outsider, Donald Trump, endorsing him. A lot of key figures in uh, conservative media endorsing him. So I, I don't know. And they'd both be fine. I mean, this is the thing. That, that McCarthy did nothing wrong. And the the upside, you know, the trade from McCarthy to Scalise or Jordan is going to be very small or nil probably because they have a four or five vote majority and they only uh, control one chamber of Congress and at a time when it's – You know, I want to stop you for a second. It's so smart what you just said. It really is, Rich Lowry. Not surprised because you're brilliant. It ain't going to mean the damn thing. I mean, you really want to make a difference? You really want to open your mouths? Put Matt Gates there. He's the guy that's yelling and screaming how horrible Kevin McCarthy is, as if he can make a difference, because Jordan ain't going to be a difference. Scalise ain't going to be a difference. Put Matt Gates there. Let's see yeah. if he could put – right, right he's, he's the guy. He's got all the answers. Let's see, dickface. Yeah, and also he doesn't want, he doesn't want the job. If you, if you went to him with this proposition and say we, we can vote you in – uh, tomorrow, Matt. No, no, thanks. I'm not doing that. I'd be crazy to do that. And this is the the thing said important thing. A little detail. They'll they'll should vote their kind of their nominee for speaker this week, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're going on the floor with that person and getting a new speaker this week. Because that's you know as McCarthy showed, it's one thing to have the overwhelming support of the caucus. It's another thing to go on the floor where you can only lose four votes. And actually, win win that speaker vote. So that that we may have to wait longer for that. Rich, I love you, man. You are such a great Monday guest. And uh, today, once again, tremendous job. Thank you for coming on. Happy Thanks, Columbus Rich. Day, and yeah. um, be Thank safe. You. Okay. Talk soon. All right, my friend. That's Rich Lowry, who wakes up early in the morning and listens every day. I'm humbled by that. Is a guy that he's got all the contacts in the world. Is the editor of the National Review. 
and uh, Big Sid and Friends in the Morning fan. Thank you, Rich. 